A gospel worker named Ali tells Muslims about Jesus in Iran. And maybe you're thinking, wouldn't it be great if Iran would loosen their restrictions and allow religious freedom? Ali's not so sure. You know, if it was such a great idea to have an open country, why is America and Europe the way it is? Ali says even though there's not religious freedom, God is moving in Iran right now. Uh, we have a special time uh, inside of Iran, like Esther, such a time as this. So there's a special window, just like we had in Russia, just like we had in China, just like we had in Eastern Europe. It is a window right now. And Iran is especially a hot spot of the Holy Spirit. So we need to just continue to pray that God moves by any means necessary. If it means persecution, so be it. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I want to especially welcome you this weekend when churches around the world are praying for persecuted Christians on the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Maybe you had a prayer time, especially in your church this morning. If you're listening on Sunday, maybe you're going to tomorrow if you're listening on Saturday. This is an important day for Christians around the world to join hands and pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. So maybe this is the first time you've ever listened to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You heard about it in your church. Thank you for listening. We're going to talk about a country that's often in our news here in the United States, but we're going to hear a different side of the story. We're not going to talk about what the government is doing. We're going to talk about what God is doing. That country is Iran. Our guest this week is a worker for the kingdom of God inside the Islamic Republic of Iran. For security purposes, we're just going to call this guest Ali. And for security reasons, we're also disguising his voice because he is working for the gospel inside Iran. Ali, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much, Todd. It's so great to be here. I want to start with a part of your story before you came to Christ, because it affects how you're serving Christ now. And if you could just talk a little bit about some of the things you did in your pre-Christian life that weren't very good things, but how now God is using some of those skills to help you serve him inside Iran. So back when I was 16, I used to be a drug dealer. I used to make ecstasy, sell ecstasy, throw underground parties called raves in a Western country. And I was basically criminal-minded for years. And so understanding what a burner phone is, understanding how to evade police officers, throw events under the radar, has all been recycled and redeemed for Christ inside of Iran. So I am now criminal-minded for the Lord inside of Iran, using the same kind of concepts to have secret meetings, underground gatherings for the Lord, you know, for His glory. It's amazing that, Todd, if I could say it like this, I had on-the-job training <laughs> for years for what I do right now inside of Iran. So I want people to kind of think about this. You're going to throw a rave. You need to be able to communicate secretly 
You need to be able to tell everyone where it's going to be and what time it's going to be without the authorities figuring out what you're saying. Then you need to have a location that's secure. You need to have somebody looking out for the authorities if they come in. So all of these things that you did to put on a rave are exactly the same skill set that you need to have a house church meeting inside Iran. Or even a secret gathering of maybe 80 people. Yeah, definitely. We do the same thing. Like back in the day, we would have a map point. We would have a voicemail that would just say where to go. And we go to the map point. We'd vet you to make sure you're not PD. And then from the map point, we'll tell you where to go. We'll give you a map to the location. Well, inside of Iran, we're using the same techniques to do the same thing. The reason I wanted to start with this part of Ali's story is I just want to encourage our listeners. You, you know, God is in the business of redeeming what we have done, even stuff we did that was damaging to us, even stuff we did that that served the kingdom of darkness. God can redeem that and use it to build his kingdom. So whatever you've done, and if you have a story that that how God has done that in your life, I'd love you to come to vomradio.net and just share that story with us, how God has redeemed something or turned something that you knew from your before Christ life uh, into a way that you're now serving Christ. Uh, Ali, let's talk about the church in Iran, because we've talked about the fact that you have to have secret meetings. You have to go to secret locations. You can't let the police know what's going on. What happens if they find out? What happens if you get discovered? Ultimately, we could die. I mean, uh, converting Christians, uh, processizing Christians is a Islamic offense. And if the judge wants to, he can uh, give you a judgment of execution. So it's life and death. Um, as you can see from my previous life, I like excitement. <laughs> so I have a life motto that is too much is enough. So that's happening right now. But, you know, you might think I'm crazy. Why did I leave a Western country for this place that you can literally call prison? To watch God move in such a powerful way, to watch God touch man in such a deep way that transforms them, from being a follower of an idol, which is Allah, or a follower of themselves, you know, following them, their God of themselves to the God of the Bible. Jesus is so powerful. It's intoxicating. You know, honestly, it says in Psalms, you know, see that the Lord is sweet or good. I see this and I'm actually have the same tendencies I had when I was in drugs. It's addicting to watch this, you know, and you want the next hit. You're just waiting for the next hit, Lord. You're like, Lord, when is the next hit? I need another hit of you touching someone in a very powerful way. And I think the amazing thing for our listeners is that you literally can see that every day inside Iran. We we think of Iran as, you know, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the Islamic Revolution, the Ayatollah, the hostage crisis, this Islamic behemoth country where 100% of the people are radical Muslims, you live there and you see a different side of it. The government does not represent Iranian people. I, if I told you, Todd, like if you came to Iran, which you guys can come on a tour, that uh, Iranians love you guys. They will hug you. They will kiss you. They will make a relationship with you right then and there. You probably wouldn't believe it. You watch the news and they say that Iran is this very violent, exporting terrorism, messing with the Middle East. 
But that's not the people. The people know inside of Iran that Islam is a lie. The people inside of Iran do not go to the mosques. I know of a pastor in a Western country that actually goes inside of Iran, and he knows these spiritual leaders. He's made a relationship with them. Islamic spiritual leaders. That's right. So the ayatollahs, the imams, the wow. spiritual leaders have come up to him and said this, tell me about Jesus. And he said, why? Why should I tell you about Jesus? And they said, because my son and daughter have come to Christ and they've become a Christian. I need to know who this Jesus wow. is. Wow. How does that work in your ministry on a daily basis? What What does your work look like inside the the country? Obviously, it's dangerous, but but God is doing these amazing things. So, what is you know what does your daily on the ground stuff look like? We daily engage people. Um, one of our aspects of our ministry is evangelism. So we engage them. We let them discover who Jesus is. And on that process of discovery, God touches them in a very powerful way. You know, Todd, uh, a story in the Bible that's always fascinated me is First Kings chapter 18 is Elijah and Baal. And that always fascinated me because Baal prophets were really like Shiites. They hit themselves. Right. And if that didn't work, they, they cut themselves. And yeah. ultimately, if that didn't work, they hit themselves with swords. Well, that sounds like a lot like Shiite Islam to me, if, I, <laughs> if I've ever heard it. So that story always int intrigued me because I saw that God brought down fire to prove that Allah is a liar. And that's what he's doing right now. Uh, as I led these people on a discovery, God will bring down fire to show that Allah is a liar. And that's awesome. I mean, that's the intoxicating, give me another hit kind of deal that happens. You watching these people get touched in such a personal way that they go from radical Muslims to radical Christians willing to die for Christ. You know, that is the difference between a disciple and a convert is that a convert will run away from persecution. A disciple will die for Jesus in persecution. And going back to the story of Elijah, the, the thing I think about at the end of that story, everyone in that valley is on their face shouting, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. That really is coming true in Iran. I mean, thousands of people are saying the Lord, Jehovah, he is God. Talk a little bit about some of those people. Just tell me a couple stories of people who have come to faith and how God has worked through them. I have seen amazing things, but I'm going to just tell you my number one story is that one day I was in a village, and then in the village, this man's like, hey, we need to go outside the village. So imagine going like 20 miles outside the village in a dirt road, no electricity, no power, no water, no running water, you know, nothing. Mud hut, walk in this hut, and this man says this, um, I have a story. Can you help me out? What's going on? I was like, sure, let me hear it. He's like a man wearing all white with long hair, and I couldn't look at his face because it was just so bright, would come into my house every night and ask me to write these things down. I was like, really? I was like, well, when you write it down, what happens? He's like, as I'm writing, I get tired because he tells me so much, and I fall asleep, and this man disappears. And then the next night, he comes again. And I was like, well, how long has this man been coming to your house? He's like, about 30 days, about a month. I was like, really? can I see your notebook? Like, can I see what you've been writing down? He's like, yes, please tell me what this notebook's all about. I was like, yeah, I want to see it. <laughs> so I opened the notebook, Todd, and I am, you know, we, I've been a Christian for many years of my life. I've, you know, 
praise the Lord for the Western church. You see a lot of things. So when you hear these things, you might be a little pessimistic, a little cynical. So I said, let me see. Let me see what you have. And he opens it up. And in the first page, Todd, it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word became flesh. He had the whole book of John verbatim in his notebook. I have a picture of it. Wow. Jesus came and saw this man every day, and he was writing the book of John. And the, the powerful thing for me, Todd, was this, that Jesus had his hundred, but the man didn't know who he was. So that shows us, my brothers and sisters, Jesus will do his part, but we still need to do ours, and we need to move the gospel forward in these dark, dark places of the world. Is that a common story in Iran, the, the, uh, the supernatural, the dream, the vision, the appearance of Christ? Is that a pretty common factor in testimonies of Iranian believers? Oh, yes. You know, God is coming through dreams, visions, and power counters. The ministry I work for, uh, Global Catalytic Ministries, we're really the cleanup crew. Jesus is making a mess of the Middle East, and we're just trying to clean it up. So that's really what we do. You know, when God touches people, it's transformational. And I think that's another thing that in the West we kind of miss is that we hear about God. We hear head knowledge about God, but we've never been touched by God. And so our whole priority and point is this, that we want to create a situation for God to be God and man to be man. Remember, Todd, if I remember correctly, it doesn't say that Todd and Ali bring people to Christ, right? I hope not. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but in the Bible it says God brings people to Christ. So we have to let God bring people to Christ because when God does it, it's transformational. But when we do it, we can't touch the mind, body, and soul the way the Holy Spirit can. So we just provide an environment that the Holy Spirit comes and touch these people and bring transformation. So yes, supernatural, dreams, visions, power encounters, healings, even emotional healing, spiritual bondage, even relational healing happens all the time because remember what I said to you, it's like First Kings chapter 18. There is another God by the name of Allah, but there is the God of the Bible. So Jehovah, Jesus, will bring down fire to prove that Allah is a liar. And the people are given that call, okay, let's figure out who we're going to serve. Let's serve the God who brings fire. Let's serve the God who really transforms people and makes a change. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Ali. He is a part of Global Catalytic Ministries. You can find their website at catalyticministries.com. We will also link you from vomradio.net. So if you come and visit us, uh, Ali, you're doing this amazing work. You're living inside Iran, but you're also very cognizant of the fact that you're in danger. We're changing your voice for this interview to protect you. How, how do you process that? How do you go forward every day in ministry knowing, okay, I could be arrested today. I could, you know, get beaten up. I, my wife could be attacked. How do you spiritually and mentally kind of wrap your mind and wrap your heart around that and keep going forward? Well, let me tell you my wife's story. My wife was radically touched by Christ, that Voice of the Martyrs did a reenactment of it. You guys can check it out. Just go to YouTube and type Padina's story, and that will come up, her story. But I asked her a question, you know, because in Islamic countries, as you know, a form of torture is rape. And so they will rape your wife to get information from you. So I asked my wife, I was like, look, if they rape you, what do you want me to do? You know, 
I love you. I love the Lord, but I love you, you know, so I want to make sure we're on the same page. Even if that means I have to do things that are difficult. And she told me, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to stand for the Lord because I will stand for the Lord. And I said, well, what do you mean? He, she said, I gave up living in a comfortable place. I gave up having a child. And if they come and rape me, I will give up my body, like it says in Romans 12, 1, as a living sacrifice, as an act of worship. Wow. Now listen to me. That's, that's heavy. That's hardcore. And it's because she's been touched, you know, and I've been touched, you know. I think having an encounter with Christ, experiencing him, always, you know, excuse the, you know, the pun, trumps, you know, knowledge, is experiencing the God in such a tangible way that you become a Jesus freak, experiencing God in such a tangible way that you become crazy. A lot of people, even maybe Todd thinks this, when they hear my story, they're like, man, you're crazy. Why did you even do what you've done? And I think that's actually a good litmus test to know if you're a disciple or not, is are you crazy? Do people think you're crazy? Because when you follow Jesus, it's like our new internal tagline inside of the ministry will offer you everything except boring. And that's what God does. He will give you everything except boring. So if your life is boring, if your walk with Christ is boring, I think you need to recheck that and re look at that and see what's going on. And I really think you need to ask God to touch you again. And I think we need to understand that if, if what we're doing makes sense to the world, we need to reevaluate because the things of God are completely different to the world. They don't make sense to the world. Uh, there's the passage that says it smells like death. Uh, it is abhorrent to the world. So on a daily basis, how does that affect your prayer life? When you think, my wife could be attacked today, I could be arrested today, do you have to kind of go through, even on a daily basis, okay, Lord, whatever you have for me today, even if it's a prison cell, even if it's a torture chamber, whatever you have for me today, I'm available, I'm yours. Well, I'll say it in a, in a quick sentence, Todd. What's a lifetime in jail or torture compared to eternity with Jesus? Amen. So that's what I really think about is, okay, what's life, the worst is life, right? Or even execution or torture. But what's, even I'm a young guy, even like the next 80 years, you know, I am in prison. What's 80 years compared to eternity with Christ? And I think we kind of miss that in the West. We don't think like that. We have a hard time thinking that long term. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we tend to be focused on the next five minutes. That's right. <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk a little more about what you talked about, about the difference between a convert and a disciple. And I know you, having lived in a Western nation, you kind of have a, a, some insights for the Western church, uh, the, the comfortable church, the American church. How would you challenge American Christians with that idea that, hey, a convert, if, if you just came for fire insurance, you run away from persecution, but a disciple is someone that will follow Christ even to the cross. Talk a little bit about that. I think one thing that's missing out in the Western church, and, and I hear you know, from the American church, is obedience. We don't obey God. I mean, I've lived in the Western country for many years, and obedience isn't really preached from the pulpit. You know, you might hear a good message, but it goes in one ear and out the other, and, and usually it's on a Sunday, and everyone's like, okay, so what are we going to eat for lunch? 
you know, great message. It was good for about five seconds. Where's the near, you know, where's the nearest Chick-fil-A, you know? So that's, that's the problem is there is no challenge to obedience and there's no challenge to accountability. Church doesn't happen on Sunday because Sundays, at least the way I look at it, when you look at a New Testament model, Sunday should be a celebration. It should not be where you're getting fed. You guys should have a love fest, which we you know, kind of do. Go out to lunch, have community, but church should happen in the community. And that's really missing in the American churches. A lot of people don't either get in a small group. If they are in a small group, it's still... Um, top down, you know, they're giving a message, they're giving, you know, they open up the word, but, and they say, you know, good job. They clap their hands. So, you know, they got coffee, Starbucks, there's no challenge to say, okay, we've read this now. What are we going to do on a daily basis to obey it? If you look biblically Todd, you know, I'm not a theologian or I'm not even seminary trained, but I look at like Abraham's life, you know, when God meets Abraham, he doesn't say, hey, you know what, Abraham? In a few years, you're going to go kill your son for me. Does he say that? No. no, he says, you know what, Abraham? If you want to follow me, why don't you just change your home? You know? And that's what God does. He's not going to ask you to go on the cross tomorrow. He's not going to ask you to go get beat tomorrow. He's not going to go ask you to go to Iraq tomorrow. But it's those small obedience steps that we don't do, and so we miss out on the big ones. And then we miss out on this awesome potential that God has for us. You know, God looks at us every day and he says, I have so much potential for you if you obey me. And many people in the West say this is legalistic, you know, and all this stuff. But Jesus says to himself, if you love me, you obey my commandments. I'm interested by what you said. He's not going to put you on the cross tomorrow. And I've had the amazing privilege of interviewing so many Christians who have faced persecution and that's one thing that they consistently say. Persecution is not a surprise. It's never a shock. There have been some steps that led up to that. There have been some, like you say, obedience points where I was obedient in a small thing, and then I was obedient in a little larger thing. Well, and then when I went to prison, it wasn't a surprise to me, and it wasn't a surprise to God because I had been faithful in these other things earlier on. I think that's some comfort also for American Christians, because I know a lot of us hear the stories of what our brothers and sisters in Iran go through, and we think, well, I could never do that. Well, God's not asking you to do that today. <laughs> he's He's asking you to be obedient in this today in America. Don't worry about what he's going to ask you to do a year from now, 10 years from now. What are the challenges for your work, particularly in the church? What are some of the biggest things you have to overcome so Iran is very different than the rest of the Middle East when it comes to persecution. Most of the persecution in the Middle East comes from friends and family or community. And actually the government says, you guys are doing such a great job. We will not go inside of that. You know, We, we just, don't need to persecute because yeah, yeah. your parents are doing it. That's right. You're doing a good job. We'll wash our hands. Just watch. Unfortunately or fortunately for us in Iran, it's the exact opposite. Uh, Iranians do not follow Islam. Uh, they are what you might call nominal Muslims or what some people in the West, especially in America, might call cultural Christians. We would call them cultural Muslims. So when you come to Christ, actually, inside of Iran, your family is like, good job. You figured out. You found something. Yeah, you found something. You found out that Islam's a lie. Good for you. Good job and get a pat in the back. So because of this, the government's after us. And the government is after us in a very vicious way. 
unfortunately, a couple years back because of this nuclear agreement, Iran got a lot of money. And the first thing they did, I, I'm almost positive it was a week after they got the money, is they hired 7,000 new secret police just for Tehran. Wow. Yeah. And they made a very public showing. You can go Google it, and it's on the news. Our biggest challenge is the Iranian government. And so we have four security apparatuses after us, and we have to deal with that challenge every day. Is how do you present the gospel, move the gospel forward in a relative safe way without blowing your cover every day? You talked about the government and the persecution. Also, we've talked about the fact that so many Iranians have rejected Islam. How does that play out? Because the government is an Islamic government. They say we're an Islamic republic, but so many people, and I'm assuming many people even within the government, would tell you if they had an honest conversation, well, Islam is wrong. It's not true. It doesn't work. How does that play out? There's friction. There's tension. You know, the government's power comes from Islam. I actually saw a billboard in Iran that says that if Ashura, which is an Islamic holiday for Shiites, died in Iran, Islam would die. So as the years I've gone inside of Iran and been inside, and I've seen this diminished, you know, this, this um, Ashura uh, holiday, and it's a morning holiday. I've seen the effects of it diminish, and the government's terrified because their power comes from Islam. So if no one's following it, they have no power, and ultimately that could lead to a revolution. And they're terrified of that because they know Iranians have done it, and they might do it again, and especially when you look at Egypt. I mean, that's just like a great case to look at. Have one revolution. Oh, it didn't work. Let's do it again. <laughs> we'll try again. Yeah, get it right the second time. Would the government say that a hundred percent of Iranians are Muslim. Do they acknowledge Christians? Do they acknowledge the growth of the church at all? I think officially they say we are 99% Muslim because Iran does have Assyrians, Armenians, so they're protected by the government. They are Christian. But imagine, you know, Iran's this Islamic Republic exporting, you know, Shiite Islam, you know, terrorists. Now, if they acknowledge that their own people are coming to Jesus, what a uh, shame. Remember, Iran and the Middle East is shame-honor culture. So what a shame. It's like spitting in the face of the government saying, you're nothing. Whatever you told us was a lie, and here it is. So no, they would never. But behind closed doors, behind even interrogations that my leaders have had, they are terrified. They know. You know, they Google too Iran and they see Iran's the fastest growing church in the world. So they are terrified. So you've had some of your workers arrested. What does interrogation look like? What kinds of questions are they asking them? How much physical pressure are they putting on them? Once again, it depends on what they get caught with. But we've had them beaten, put in solitary confinement. They they want to know who's leading all this you know for them they think this is a subversion of the culture and the islamic values this is western subversion you know this is coming from you know western intelligent agencies so they're always trying to figure out who the big fish is so one of the another reasons why my voice has changed is because i am one of those big fish they're looking for 
And so they're always trying to find that. So all the questioning actually is like, how is this happening? They want to know how it's happening so they can stop it better. What kind of training do the people that you work with go through to be ready to get arrested and interrogated? And is it just a matter of that that touch from Christ? Or is it a matter of, are there some specific steps that you take in the training process to get them ready for that? Well, one of the things I've done, and I thank God for VOM, is I go through the book, The Triumphant Church. And so that's one of the standard trainings is that all of the leaders go through that book. And that book includes training about persecution, actually a chapter written by Richard Wormbrand, the founder of Voice of the Martyrs, uh, some other sermon outlines and so forth about persecution. So by the time they get arrested, they have a pretty firm biblical understanding of, of what persecution means and what it is. That's correct. You know, that book's a very powerful book. It changed my life. For our listeners who haven't read it, and maybe they will now, what's something that they would learn by reading The Triumphant Church? I think the biggest thing that helped me, especially instead of Iran, is visualize. You know, Richard talks about it. He's like, visualize this happening. They're coming. What kind of questions would they ask? Like, we actually changed our whole uh, motive of operations because of that. When we really started to look at it in a deep way, uh, dissect it really. Okay, well, okay. right now secret police came in. What do we do? What's our story? How do we know each other? Where do we meet? And so on and so forth. And talk through all that ahead of time. And I, this is an amazing thing about your group that I know we've talked about. You actually role play this. I mean, like you, this is, we're not just talking that you sit and think about it a little while. You actually have two people sit, okay, you're the interrogator, you're the Christian, and then, okay, now let's, how did they do right? How did they do wrong? Yes, we practice it, and we've become very good at it. That's uh, not a skill that many Christians would aspire to. I'm, I'm very good at being interrogated, but it's the reality that you face that this could happen at any time. Every time you meet together, it could be raided. You could all be picked up. You could all be questioned. The thing that's amazing to me is how you prepare people for that and then how people are unruffled by it. It's just like, yeah, that's that's part of, that's what we do. That's, it's, it's so normal. Well, because isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, he died for us and Jesus said the greatest thing we could do for our enemy or our friend is to die for them. So we want people not to go to hell. I mean, honestly, that's, we care as bad as that sound. And I challenge the viewers right now, do you care? If you care, then you have to engage people at any cost, by any means necessary. I think that's an incredibly challenging word. We're talking today on Voices of Martyrs Radio with Ali. He is from Global Catalytic Ministries. You can find their website at catalyticministries.com. We will also link you there from vomradio.net. Ali, as we finish our time together today, we want people to be able to pray for Iran. How can we pray? I would pray that Iran never opens up. You know, if it was such a great idea to have an open country, why is America and Europe the way it is? Uh, we have a special time inside of Iran, like Esther, such a time as this. And for those Bible trivia guys, Esther is buried inside of Iran. Esther spent then, you know, was with the king of Iran that saved all the Jews. So there's a special window, just like we had in Russia, just like we had in China, just like we had in Eastern Europe. It is a window right now. And 
Iran is especially a hot spot of the Holy Spirit. So we need to just continue to pray that God moves by any means necessary. If it means persecution, so be it. Pray that John 8 over the lives of believers inside of Iran. That is a chapter where the crowd comes to kill Jesus and Jesus disappears in the crowd. So that would be our number one prayer. It's just everyone pray John 8 over all the believers inside of Iran so we can move the gospel into darker areas of the country. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Ali. Uh, Ali, before we let you go, talk a little bit about Global Catalytic Ministries and what your work looks like, what the organization does. Like I say, we'll connect our listeners at vomradio.net. We'll give you a link over to catalyticministries.com, but just give us kind of a a primer on what Global Catalytic Ministries does. Uh, The problem that Global Catalytic Ministries wants to solve is how do you disciple a Muslim to Christ? So that's what we do. And it's not Iran-centric, it's Middle East-centric and actually Western-centric. We have so many refugees coming into Europe, into America. You know, I asked the Lord, I said, what's going on with this Muslim migration? And he said to me, Americans and Europeans are so lazy to go to the 1040 window. I brought the 1040 window to them in their backyard. (laughs) So our mission is to help Middle Easterns, Muslim-believing background, Westerners, expats, disciple a Muslim to Christ. So we are not just in Iran. We are actually in a lot of countries around Iran. And we are also in Western countries, including America. And that's what our mission is, is we want to help reach 1.8 billion people that doesn't know Christ. Some of our listeners have Muslims around them. They classmate, coworker, friend. How would you coach them if they do want to go to the 1040 window that's come right here to our backyard, how would you coach them to kind of start that process or start that conversation? I would say be their friends. You know, Jesus was the friend of the sinner. And he got criticized for it. That's right. I have no problems with apologetics. I think there's a place for that. But most Muslims, especially in the migration, they're not as zealous as many are inside the country or other places. I think they're more nominal. And they have a felt need and we can through friendship hear that felt need helping them in that felt need but the key is is when you hear that felt need you need to connect them to god oh you're depressed hey you know what i used to be depressed but jesus healed me of my depression do you want to be healed you know jesus still heals you know uh, that hasn't stopped you know jesus heals depression emotional bondage spiritual bondage physical bondage So introduce Jesus, and a lot of us might be embarrassed or say, what happens if he doesn't do it? But remember, Todd, that's Jesus' reputation, not ours. So if Jesus wants to do it, if he doesn't want to heal them, if he wants to do it in a different way, that's on him, not on us. We just have to engage them. So here's my advice to you. First, engage them. Become their friend. Do not talk about Jesus and Christianity in the beginning. Befriend them. Remember, if... It was such a great idea to start with Jesus. Jesus would have done it. He didn't. It took the disciples three and a half years to figure out who he was. When he healed someone, Todd, what did he say? Tell everyone, the Savior has come. The Messiah is here. No, he said, shh, don't tell anyone. Maybe there's a strategy behind that. Maybe there's a reason behind that. 
like I said, my brothers and sisters, if it was such a great idea to start with Jesus, Jesus would have done it. So he didn't. He befriended them. He actually laughed with them so much and was so happy with them. What did he get accused of? Being a drunkard. So befriend them. Become their friends. Remember, I'm not saying that there's any similarities between Islam and Christianity or that we worship the same God. Nope. Just like I said before to you, 1 Kings chapter 18, God will bring down fire to prove that Allah is a liar. So it's not that we're going to do friendship evangelism. No, we're going to become their friend and let them experience the light that we are. I challenge you guys again. How are you guys a light every day? How are you assault every day? Well, if you're not engaging non-believers and them seeing the gospel in your life instead of hearing the gospel, then there's problems. I think that's a challenge for us to build relationships. And that is true whether you're trying to reach out to a Muslim or any other person. Start with relationship, gain understanding of them, understand their personality, understand what they need, and then pray for them and just allow Jesus to step in and work in that situation. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Ali. Ali is active in gospel work inside Iran. We've talked about how you can pray for the country of Iran. We've talked about what he is doing through Global Catalytic Ministries. Uh, Ali, as we finish up, how can we pray for you? We've talked about protection. We've talked about even being able to move around the country and be invisible at times, I know that is necessary. But some specific ways that we can pray for you. Well, once again, um, a lot of fallen angels aren't named in the Bible, but the Prince of Persia is. So the spiritual warfare is really intense. I would ask you to pray for our health. You know, there's a lot of health attacks on the leadership of GCM from my wife to even other leaders, I would ask you to pray for health, for our relationship with each other, because on a scale of zero to 10 on stress, we're basically at a nine every day. You know, we're almost hitting 10 every day. So pray that God just helps us in these stressful areas. You know, it's, it's like being on the front lines. You know, you see all these veterans coming back, you know, praise God for the veterans coming back from the war. They have PTSD. Yeah, well, we kind of have it too, you know, and so we're always under stress and we're always in the like front lines ministry, you know, we're always on the front lines to pray that God helps us emotionally, physically and psychologically with that pressure. So I think that would be the two, you know, first John eight, and then just pray for us as leaders, emotionally, physically and psychologically, that God would just help us as we are moving the gospel in areas that a lot of people wouldn't touch with a 10 feet pole. I want to encourage you this week to especially pray for the nation of Iran. As Ali has talked about, God's doing amazing things. God is going directly to people and speaking to them in their language, inside their homes. There are Christians who are a part of that work. They're part of discipling those believers. They're part of sharing the gospel every day, and it is dangerous. It is a hard place. So pray for the nation of Iran, pray for God's people who are at work there. Uh, Ali, thank you for sharing your heart, and we bless you. We we pray that God will go before and behind you and give you strength and safety and encouragement 
uh, and that you'll be able to come back and we'll hear more stories of how God is moving in amazing ways inside Iran. Well, thank you so much, Todd, for having me. Thank you, VOM, for this awesome radio program and all the awesome things they do. They're great partners. Yeah, definitely pray for me because um, it's very dangerous. So I appreciate your prayers. We want to be able to reach you know, Muslims for Christ. And in this special time, listeners, you know, there is the biggest revival happening inside of Muslim nations right now in the Middle East since the Islamic conquest. So pray, get involved, because ultimately, one day we are going to stand in front of Jesus. And how awesome is it going to be when all of us together throw the biggest crown at Jesus's feet? Amen. And our Iranian and Afghan and Chinese brothers and sisters all gathered around the throne together. That is going to be pretty amazing scene. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As always, you can connect with us online at vomradio.net. Again, that website, vomradio.net. As a listener to the podcast version or the online version of VOM Radio, you've heard a longer version of today's program with some bonus material that we didn't have time to air on the broadcast version to make sure that you hear every episode. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast. You can go to vomradio.net and we'll link you to iTunes or Google Play Music or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast feeds from. Also, if you don't mind, would you? Take a few minutes and and go to iTunes or Google Play or or whatever service you use to access the VOM Radio podcast and rate our program. If you would do that, I would really appreciate it. Those ratings help us to know how we're doing, and they also increase the chances that other Christians will find out about the VOM Radio podcast. The more people rate those, the higher they go up in the listings, and so more people can see that we have a VOM Radio podcast where we share the stories of our persecuted family every week. So if you wouldn't mind, take a few moments, go and rate our program. That would be a blessing to us. Next week, we're going to focus on yet another hotspot in the world. We've talked about Iran this week. Next week, we're going to talk about North Korea. World leaders are threatening back and forth. There's talk of war. There's talk of missiles. We're going to talk about what God's doing in the country of North Korea I know you'll want to hear that. I know it's going to encourage you. So join us again next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.